Hello everyone, my name is David Deckel Hills, and this is the Voice of Thunder. Reminding you that sometimes you just have to be wholesome. You ever get that feeling that you're just like, yo, things are kind of good right now. Like, I'm really in a good place. This is usually when you eat good food and you're like in that state of zen or after a really difficult workout and you're almost like to the point of collapse but you're not at the point of collapse you're still awake and so there's just a bunch of i don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is that your body releases to counteract all the pain that you were in you're just feeling good you're just at peace that's where i am right now i Almost didn't record today. I can't say that because I'm not going to miss a, a day recording. But I I literally was laying in my bed and I was like, man, I really don't want to. I'm really about to go to sleep, which is a little bit surprising for me because I've been having some trouble sleeping throughout the week. Uh, even the week before that, I just ever since I got sick. Sleep has not really been all that prevalent for me. I'm just going to try my best. You know, I'm not going to talk for too long because I really want to avoid rambling this week. Uh, I have another book prepared this week that I'm going to read. I'm definitely going to start trying like my voice acting still again. But for now, there's this book that I wanted to read in the spirit of wholesomeness i i scoured my bookshelf for a book to read and i was gonna read geronimo stilton one of those books from my childhood but i realized if my mom hears this she probably really wouldn't like the topic of those books they uh they didn't age well we kind of have ptsd so we can't really we, we can't really indulge in such things like that not that it's bad it's a kid's book but there there's some things that happen in the story that we i just i just can't go over so no instead we're gonna go through this motivational book i think it's a motivational book i haven't actually read it myself the unspoken rules that i read last week in case you missed it were amazing i feel like they're even in the introduction they covered so many different things that uh, are really important in the workplace. One of the things that stuck out to me from back then is that I have to be kind of forward thinking. When I approach someone with a question, I want to already be further along in my answer. I need to be finished answering the question on my end before I'm ever even asking it to their end. I've done everything in my power to figure that out. I've asked around. I've so I've thought about what they would normally say in response to this and now i'm finally gonna come out and uh go ahead and frame my question i feel like it's a simple thing that they're telling you but it's way different when you start to apply it unfortunately i haven't really had too much of a chance to apply it yet because my project has been kind of on a low period like i've been doing minimal stuff but I hear that this business is like that sometimes. Sometimes there's work. Sometimes there's not work. But I've been doing a lot of learning. And in the spirit of learning, I wanted to go back to this book. 
Letters to a Young Writer by Colin McKen. I say I pronounce, I don't know if it's pronounced McKen, but it looks like McGann from, uh, from Young Justice. So that's why I'm pronouncing it that way. But yeah, I'm not really a young writer anymore, and I might be way past my ability to write, but I feel like maybe there's a, an inkling of message for me that maybe I can apply. I, I'm not really sure if I read this book, it was far in the past. I feel like I remember it, though. I remember reading a book that was really inspiring. It made it so that I had the 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 I had the urge to to write to actually sit down and be like yeah I'm gonna do this. It got me excited to do that to to actually get into the writing. And I need a little bit of that right now because I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get back into it. My goal, but I'm gonna just go ahead and read the introduction of this book. So it starts off with the first chat the introduction chapter the unsayable. It's ecstasies. Yeah, the un the unsayable ecstasies. That word is nearly impossible. Ecstasies. There you go. The unsayable exp. See that? See that? I don't even know why I tried to do it again. Nobody can advise you and help you. Nobody. That. That off to a great start, it said Rilke in, a, in letters to a young poet over a century ago. There is only one way. Go into yourself. Rilke, of course, was right. I think that's just Rilke. Or Rauk. Rilke. Yeah, I think that's just Rilke. Rilke, of course, was right. But nobody, nobody but yourself can help. In the end, it all comes down to the strike of the word upon the page, not to mention the strike thereafter and that the strike after that. But Rilke was taken by the request from a young writer, and he corresponded with Franz Xavier Kappus in 10 Lever... I'm tongue twisted. Uh, What is it? What is it? A rubber baby... Rubber baby bumble babies. Rubber baby bumble babies. Rubber baby bumble babies. Oh, I can't do it. Rubble baby bumble babies. Rubble baby bumble babies. Rumble baby bumble. Okay. I'm gonna leave a little bit of that and then just cut the rest out. Just imagine two or three more minutes of of just that. Uh, I tried to warm up, but uh. As I said, Zen mode, kind of tired. I'm on my last leg. But he corresponded with friend Xavier Kappas in 10 letters over the course of six years. Rilke's was advice on matter. Oh, Rilke's was advice on matters of love, religion, feminism, sex, art, solitude and patience. But it was also keyed in to the life of the poet and how these things might shape the word upon the page. This most of all, he says, acts yourself in the most silent hour of the night. Must I write? 
Everybody who has ever felt the need to write knows the silent hour. I have come upon many such people, and indeed many such hours, during my writing and teaching life. Each year, my first class in the Hunter College MFA program, whoa, my school? Begins with the statement that I won't be able to teach the eight. Begins with the statement that I won't be able to teach the students anything at all. This comes as a bit of a shock to the 12 young men and women who have decided to devote themselves to the crafty, sullen art. These are among the smartest young writers in America. Six first years, six second years. Who have been chosen from a pool? Who have been chosen from a pool of many hundreds? I don't mean my opening statement to them every semester as an act of discouragement. It is, I hope, the exact opposite. I can teach you nothing. Now that you know this, go learn. The writing style in this is a little bit difficult for me to grasp. It's 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 high level. I feel. Beyond me. But it's all right. I'm, I'll adapt. I'll adapt. In the end, I'm guiding them toward the fire in the hope that they will recognize the places where they will most certainly be burned. But the advice is also given in the hope that they learn how to handle and pass along the fire. One of the best places for young writers to be is facing the burning wall with only the virtues of stamina, desire, and perseverance to prevail them across to the other side. And breach the wall they do. Some tunnel, some climb, some bulldoze. Not with my help, but by going properly inside themselves. A la Rilk. I have been teaching now for the best part of 20 years. That's a lot of chalk and a lot of red pencil. I haven't loved every minute of it, but I've loved most, and I wouldn't swap the experience for the world. There's been a National Book Award for one student, a Booker Prize for another. Guggenheims, pushcarts, mentorships, friendships, but let's be honest, there has been burnout too. There's been weeping and gnashing of teeth. There have been walkouts, collapses, regret. The fact of the matter is, I'm only there as a foil. Practice and time do not necessarily bestow seniority. A student might, at the very beginning, know so much more than I know. Still, the only hope is that I might say one or two things over the course of a couple of semesters that might save them a little time and heartbreak. All of those students, bar none, are looking in Rilke's wor- are looking in Rilke's words to say ecstasy ecstasies that are unsayable. The unsayable indeed. The job is theirs. The job is theirs. The ability to trust the difficult, mm. the ability to trust in the difficulty, oh. the ability to trust in the difficult, the tenacity to understand that it takes time and patience to succeed. Not so long ago, I was asked by this by not so long ago, I was asked by StoryPrize.org to write a short piece about the writing about the writing life. 
I mashed together some of my ideas, mixed it with a little credo and whatever wisdom I might be able to wring out of the dish towel of my teaching days. I called it Letter to a Young Writer, and it is the first entry in this book. The other, other entries followed over the course of the year. They were, at times, for instruction. At other times, they were clarion calls. Calls. At other times, they were clarion calls. This, then, is not a writer's manual, nor is it, I hope, a rant. It is more a, it is more a whisper while out walking in the park. Something else I'd like to do with my students at times. I imagined it as a word in the ear of a young writer, though it could, I suppose, be a series of letters to any. Uh, though it could, I suppose, be a series of letters to any writer, not least myself. I'm reminded, of course, of Cyril Connolly, of Cyril Connolly's line: "How many books did Renoir? How many books did Renoir write on how to paint?" I understand that it could be folly to try to dissect, which is essentially a mysterious process, but in spite of that, here it is, with the full knowledge that opening up the magic box might doom its readers to disappointment. Still, the truth is that I genuinely enjoy watching young writers begin to put shape. The truth, still, the truth is that I enjoy. Still. The truth is that I genuinely enjoy watching young writers begin to put shape on the contents of their world. I push my students hard. Sometimes they push back. In fact, one of my opening workshop tenets is that blood will inevitably seep out of the door during the course of the semester, and invariably some of that blood is my own. In putting together these words, I have, I admit, failed miserably, which is, as you will see, a bit of a backslap for myself. I covet failure. I have done it here. I have done it here. This advice comes up short of any I would want to receive myself. I deliver it, I hope, with a humble bow and a desire to get it out to and a desire to get out of its way. What are you talking about, man? I'm a little bit confused. A word of warning. Once, once when writing a novel called Dancer, a fictionalization of the life of Rudolf Nureyev, Rudolf Nureyev, I sent the I sent the manuscript to a hero of mine. This was a I I sent the manuscript of a hero. Um, I sent the oh my gosh, I. I sent the manuscript to a hero of mine. This was a writer whose every word I absolutely coveted. He was in order. He was in ordinary. Oh my gosh, he was inordinately kind, and sent me back six handwritten pages. He was inordinately kind and sent me back six handwritten pages of notes. I took virtually every single suggestion, but I was disturbed about one. He said that I should cut the opening war soliloquy that begins four winters. I had spent close to six months on this section, and it was among my favorite parts of the book. He had made a good argument against keeping it, 
but I was still upset. For days on end, I walked around with his voice in my head. Cut it, cut it, cut it. How could I go against the advice of one of the world's greatest writers? In the end, I didn't take his counsel. I stepped inside and I listened to myself. When the book finally came out, he wrote to tell me I had made the correct choice and he had been humbly wrong. It is one of the most beautiful letters I have ever received. John Berger. I name him because he was my teacher, not in a little, not in a literal sense, but in a textural way, in a textural way and in the manner of a friend. I have had several other teachers, too. I have had a, several other teachers, too. Jim Kells, Pat O'Connell, brother Gerald Kelly, my father, Sean McCann, Benedict Keeley, Jim Harrison, Frank McCourt, Edna O'Brien. Peter Carey, along with virtually every writer I have ever read. I am indebted to all I am indebted also to Dana Kutzpink, Cindy Wu, Ellis Maxwell, and my son John Michael for help with this book. The voice we get is not just one voice. We receive ours from a series of elsewheres. This is the spark. I hope there is something in I hope there is something here for any young writer or any older writer for that matter who happens to be looking for a teacher to come along a teacher who in the end can really teach nothing at all but fire Ah that was the first chapter but I do want to read more I don't think I should I don't think I should though I'm a little bit I'm a little bit on the fence okay so there was a lot of information there and I feel like I really want to know what the first chapter holds to go off the back of that. What did he mean when he said that he fails to do what he set out to do in this book? If his goal is to give advice and to teach in this book, what does he mean when he says that he fails to do so? Does that mean that he doesn't think the advice is sound? Hmm. I'll have to keep reading to figure out a little bit more. Uh, I am going to, uh, however, I'm going to leave that for a different day. I'm going to observe the laws of podcasting a little bit more to understand if I'm allowed to read more. I don't know if I am like I would love to just read the entire book, but is that considered stealing? Is that considered plagiarism? I don't know. I don't claim any of this, this is obviously Cullum McCann's book, but OK. And listening to this, will you now be taken away from the possible audio book that would be released in this? This is something that I have to figure out. But that is something for next week. You've been listening to the voice of thunder. I'm David Deckel Hills. Thank you so much for listening.